That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. Yo, what's up? Thank you for tuning in today. Thanks to Humans for bringing us in. Thanks to you for supporting the show. I'm Shane Raymer. You're listening to That Sober Guy podcast, and we help people stay sober. Uh, we're coming to you live from San Diego at the Innovations and Recovery Conference. Uh, and then we're talking right now with uh, Dr. Louise Stanger from All About Interventions. Uh, we're going to discuss marijuana, CBD, teen vaping in the recovery community, uh, a little bit of ethics to go along with all that. Uh, now, Dr. Stanger is a preeminent interventionist and thought leader in behavioral health and addiction treatment industry. Uh, she's performed thousands of family interventions in the U.S. and abroad. Uh, she gives presentations around the country on various topics related to mental health, uh, addiction, process disorders, uh, and chronic pain as well. So we're going to talk to Dr. Stanger in just a minute. But first, uh, be sure to check us out at thatsoberguy.com. You can connect with us on Instagram, at realthatsoberguy, and on Twitter, at Shane Raymer. Uh, now, I mentioned we're coming to you live from, uh, from San Diego uh, at the Innovations in Recovery. And some people go, what the, you know, what the hell is Innovations in Recovery? It's about everything new in behavioral health, uh, behavioral health care. Uh, and, uh, and we're here to bring you some of the top experts and recovery advocates, uh, help inform you of what's going on, uh, you know, who's who, what we're talking about, all kinds of good topics, uh, as well as have some fun uh, and spread some recovery love. So uh, if you want more information about any of Foundation's events, whether it's Innovations in Recovery or Moments of Change, they do a number of conferences, you can go to foundationsevents.com. Uh, and then last, finding the right treatment option uh, for addiction and mental health illness can be tough. Uh, that's why we have continued to partner with Foundations Recovery Network. And because uh, of that, Foundations, uh, uh, they stay true to their mission. They hold high ethical standards and they provide treatment in their nationwide network of residential and outpatient programs. So if you or a loved one needs help, you can go to foundationshelp.com slash sober guy, or you can call 833-81-SOBER. That's 833-81-SOBER. You can talk with an admissions coordinator about treatment options. They can answer any questions for you, uh, and you'll be definitely taken care of there. Dr. Louise Stanger, it's great to have you. Thank you for being on time today. I love you so much. <laughs> I got to give you a hard time about it. You know it. I know. No, you're awesome. You're always, you're, I, I mean that with the best of love. Like, it's really good to have you back on the show. We talked to you a while ago, um, and uh, it's great to have you today. Thank you. Oh, Shane, I'm so glad that it, this is a recovery program because it's always <laughs> progress, not perfection. That's and right. You obviously, right. I got the day, the time wrong and the day wrong, but so <laughs> I feel very grateful to be with you again and it is so so exciting to see that sober guy and how oh, this podcast you. is helping hundreds of thousands of people in the United States so my kudos you so to much. you and thanks for your willingness to let an elder adult be uh uh, have a have a little have a little lapse. Oh, you're so awesome! I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's crazy just to watch uh, watch the the uh, you know the podcast grow and uh, just meet a lot of great people and uh, really try to uh, uh, just have some fun in the process too. So I appreciate that. Uh, now, I get your emails. You, yes, they're they're awesome. You got a lot of great content, a lot of good articles on different stuff. I picked two of them out today um, that I that I wanted to talk about and. Um, one of them re revolves uh, uh, ethics in the marijuana industry, and the other one is team vaping. So I want to touch on both of those. But first, before we do that, 
what have you been up to? What's going on with you? Anything new? Um, tell us a little bit about yourself for someone out there listening who might not know um, who you are, what you do, what you're about. Oh, for someone who doesn't know who I am or anything, I'm a licensed clinician. I've been licensed since 1973, a former university professor. And my passion has always been helping families move their loved ones to change. Uh, in addition, I'm a pretty much of a prolific writer. This year, I was asked by a textbook house, and now USC has adopted my textbook. So I have the first textbook in the country written on interventions, and it's wow. they're called The Definitive Guide to Addiction Intervention collective strategies. I'm pretty honored that it's in being put into graduate schools across the country. That's huge. That, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's a <laughs> gift. I, obviously, I love to write, so you can find me on Thrive Global. Um, I think I just hit the finally the front cover with Snowplow Parents. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. So, but really, <laughs> I... Uh, I'm uh, just me, so you don't. I don't have a big team, but when you do call me, I do pick up my own phone, and yeah. you know, I treat you as if you were my family member because Absolutely. I know how your heart is hurting. Yeah, so thank true. you for asking me what I've yeah. been up to. Um, what does writing look like for you? Like just the process for that? I'm just kind of curious as a creative person, and I know there's a lot of creative people in recovery. Do you map out time, um, whether it's a book or article? Is it does it just free flow? Like how does that sometimes, work for you? Sometimes they really free flow, and as crazy as it sounds, I wrote my dissertation on a legal notebook pad, and when I really am inspired, and it doesn't matter, it's usually early morning. I yeah. often pick up my telephone and write on notes, really? which is yeah. wild because somehow or other that small space allows me to dream and to create. It mm. really depends. You know, sometimes I'm just really moved by the news. I'm moved by uh, subject matter. Yeah. I'm moved by some client um, or I'm asked to write an article about something as I was with the textbook. So it, it, it depends. But early morning in the early morning, say 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, that's when my creative juices yeah. flow. Again, about this time of day, I might be able to start again, but it depends. I'm also More writing it. I also have a third book in the works, nice. which is, Congrats. well, it's totally different, and it's 90 days to a kick-ass life. <laughs> <laughs> I like <laughs> it. I dig it. that. Yeah. Um, you get some coffee going in the morning, too. You get a little bit of... Oh, I get but, my coffee, yeah, and coffee. I get a hug from two golden doodles, Teddy and Coco, and a high five from my husband who knows, like, you can't bother because she's not going to talk to you right now. She's in the midst. <laughs> but I also have clients early in the morning because I have a lot of East Coast clients. Oh, okay. So I might be on the phone at seven in the morning. So yeah. somehow or other, that's sacred time to me. Uh, yeah. I do wake up and do a third step prayer and make sure that oh. I meditate and I do some meditation Good. before I start the day. And yeah. I think that's really important for self-care for people like us in our profession. Absolutely, yeah, you're dealing with, you're dealing with a, lot of, uh, a lot of stuff throughout yeah, the day. Yeah, a lot of so stuff. So you gotta make sure that you're having a healthy outlet to let some mm -hmm. of that stuff go too. Um, so uh, let's, uh, let's, jump into, let's jump into this first one that, um, you know, this article that you wrote. It's called Looks Like Apple, uh, Smells Like Pot Ethics, in the marijuana industry. And I'll make sure the links are in here in the show notes for those of you out there listening. They're great articles and they're, they're interesting. So if you wanna check them out, you can go in the show notes and do that. Um, tell, just, I have some, some notes here about it, but tell us a little bit from your perspective about that article, what it's about. So I lived in West Hollywood. And for those of you that know anything about the state of California, West Hollywood is the first place in 
the state of California, at least in Los Angeles, that had legalized pot stores. And this is a billion dollar business that is doing a marketing campaign, the likes of which I've never seen. If you know anything about MedMen, their stores are designed to look like Apple. They have two people standing out there with lanyards on in little red, in little red uh, shirts, reading you in. And the way the store is actually set up, it looks like an Apple store. Their ads are Shane. You could be in an ad. It would be radio producer. I could be professor, um, doctor, nurse. Um, they're all their ads are designed that everybody and any who's anybody needs their product and really I find that unethical there is a lot of research and I wrote like for example I have another great article folks get high on La Cienega Boulevard 11 things you need to know about marijuana there's a lot of research out there which demonstrates evidence-based that it is harmful and the fact that you're marketing it as if it is applesauce or a Mac I find just untenable but that is what's happening with an unregulated yeah. industry and the other thing is that they're doing all types of different um, types of materials like for example um, jelly bellies are now producing jelly bellies that look like that look just like the jelly bellies but they're filled with marijuana what does that do for our children um, chocolate chip cookies um, coconut infused um, water. So what we're doing is the marijuana industry is doing exactly what the alcohol industry did in terms of target marketing, but it's not just really target marketing to you and I who might be able to make a decision. It's target marketing to youth, um, our children, because they want to see it. And it's saying this is really good for everyone. The only problem is it's an unregulated industry. When they passed it, there is no regulation for the amount of, of actually THC content in any product. The fact that you say it's organic, really? It's really organic? And so I think that in 20 years from now, I may not be here because I'm 72, but your children will be. Yeah. And what type of normative behavior and what type of normative measures are we really sending to people? Yeah. So MedMan is one of many. Um, if you take a look around um, the department store, which I'm probably going to write about, Barney's, high-end. I yeah. like high-end stuff. Yeah. I work with very wealthy people. They have just opened a counter in Los Angeles and New York with all the, all the paraphernalia. Mm -hmm. And so once again, this is subliminal marketing for the same person that's going to buy a Louboutin or uh, Hermes scarf or Chloe dress is now going to buy their marijuana paraphernalia. So is it, mar is it mar marketing like that just as they would with alcohol then? Because that, that was what, what I was going to ask you was, is the benefit or the purpose here just as some sort of uh, recreational use to get high, basically? Um, is there ben do they market it from a benefit perspective of um, medicinal purposes or anything? Or is this, there is, more but this is more for you want to be in the in crowd. This is what Got the it. in crowd okay. is doing. Um, we do know that, for example, in Nevada, the alcohol industry owns the marketing of the marijuana industry. They're the only state that hmm. does that. We also know that from Pacific Institute of Research and Evaluation, the governor, they did the research on the governor's drug driving report. Yeah. 
we know. we also know that it's evidence. It's not me making it up. Yeah, it's not yeah. me that there's evidence that there are more accidents and more drug driving deaths now in states that have legalized marijuana. Oh, really? Yes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do you think that is, or what is behind that? Just um, people are. Do you think it's a combination of drinking? I remember I drank one time and ate a brownie at one point. Oh, man, I was so wrecked. I was so messed up. I don't know if that is uh, relatable to Well, it's hard to say (laughs) what else are you doing besides marijuana. You know, I can't really say that that's a gateway drug. It's a drug I'm trying to sell. Recently, I did an intervention. The young girl, very bright, was doing seven or eight, spending 1,200. Her parents were spending $1,200 a month in three weeks on her marijuana because they thought that might be good for the trauma she had. Really? I mean, that's not helpful. So there's a lot of misconception out there. And um, what else are you doing? You might be on an antidepressant. You might be chasing with alcohol. You know, it's very, very hard to say, but you know, it's one, and now it's legalized. So legalized means okay. Um, So it's really hard. I, for one, I'm concerned. I mean, the argument for legalization was we could do actual research. Well, there aren't that many places that they're really doing controlled studies yet. Yeah. UCLA has one. But what you're saying is, hey, I'm good. Come get me. Buy me. And by the way, if you're 72 or you're eight or 18, this is a great drug for you. Yeah. Well, I think, I think to that uh, point, too, no matter what drug or what substance we're talking about, if we're using it in order to mask something or to cover up or to use it as a tool to not deal with something, that's where the issue comes in to me. Because I think you can argue and you can debate the marijuana is that's legal right. all day long, never ending until you're blue in the face. I think there's two two sides to it. I'm not an expert in it. I'm not going to even try to go there. Uh, but at the same time, in the end, um, what are you using to deal with some of the life issues that people are having, and especially with the youth? Um, they're influential, very, very influential people. And uh, we talk about peer pressure. I'm sure you deal a lot with that too, right? Peer that, pressure in schools that's right. and well, the cool kid and trying to fit in. And, well, the cool kid wants to fit in. And right now to yeah. be cool, vaping is so, well, so cool. That's another reason, article you well, wrote. Yeah. I know, but the reason I'm mentioning vaping is you can be vaping marijuana. It's colorless and odorless. And it can be in your pretty pink or purple jewel and nobody's gonna know. And recently I had an opportunity to speak with a high school here, a private school here in this area, and 85% of all their their really super bright, super wealthy kids are vaping. And and the mom said, well, you know, that's kind of good. They may not be having sex. And I went, really? Okay. So um, vaping means you don't have sex. And he said, well, you know, they're not doing cigarettes. But they don't know what's in them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, you don't know what's in the vape. And so I think there's a close connection between vaping. Somehow or other, if you're beginning to get into, you know, vaping as, as being cool, like a cigarette was cool yeah. in my age. Sure. Versus vaping and what is inside the vape. And what does this mean to be part of the in crowd? And where does this take you um, down the line? So what? So let's let's kind of do this then. What if, um, and I'm sure you deal with this, you know, probably on the daily. 
parents who are who are having to deal with their their teenagers, their youth, who are whether it's vaping, uh, marijuana, whatever. How do you address that? What advice do you give to parents to kind of help take a look at that? Uh, and I know every situation is different, yeah. well, but from a general perspective. Well, from a general perspective, first of all, no one calls me unless their heart is hurting. You know, they just don't call, hi, Dr. Stanger, I'm, yeah. I need a good time. So the, for some reason, their kid has gotten into some sort of problem at school or they're hiding or there's been some type of, um, I hate the word trauma because it's so overused, but maybe they were in a party, they ended up doing something they didn't want to do or something happened to them, but their heart is hurting or maybe they're lost inside the internet. Mm. and they're gaming and oh yeah that's a big one that's a big one i yeah. just had a phone call from that yesterday and they're vaping and then i asked them so what do you which how do you talk about that with them you know what do you ask well i don't really do talk about anything and i go well how do they get the big question is how are they paying for this oh wow yeah i mean do they have a job because the majority of people that are calling me they're the ones that are not only paying for their cell phones, they're also paying for their, they, they say, well, I got my son, son or daughter a medical marijuana card, I let them vape because honestly, if I don't let them vape, they're gonna do something else. I go, really? And so one thing is having that sort of open conversation with parents and, and having them take a look at how, in what degree are they funding their loved one? How are they relating it? And then the second thing is, so what type of parent groups are there? Are there parent groups at your high school, well, be it a public or private high school? Do you call up and even ask, you know, if, if Sally says she's going to Mary's house, and, they're, and they, are they really going there? Or are they going somewhere else? I mean, yeah. where I live, Coachella was this past weekend. There were more teenage girls there you know, and their parents said, well, you know, we had to let them go. And I go, really? It was $800 a pop. That is not inexpensive. And so to what degree are you willing not to be their friend? Because most parents um, talk about, well, I really, you know, a parent wants your kid, every parent wants their kid to say, I love you. And so when you do something that might be a boundary, or I call boundaries compassionate directness, you're going to set off some other trajectory. So to what degree can you take responsibility or can you take a look at, hey, is this like when I was a kid? Coachella is not Woodstock, okay? And, 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 and the marijuana in Woodstock is not the marijuana today. You know, and the vaping, there's a big difference. And so, you know, what degree do you want to be a friend or do you want to be a parent? I just had a great article on Thrive about are you a snowplow? And I write about helicopters, snowplows, saran wrap, and other types of parenting. Yeah. Um, because what kind of parent do you want to be, and how can we help you become that parent you're meant to be? So, so for for someone like uh, like my wife Jess and I, we ha- our kids are still young. They're four, and Lucy will be nine. Um, do you start talking to them about them about this kind of stuff at a certain age or I mean one of the things that we've tried to really you know and, and we're very selective obviously of what we're talking to them about but we know that with social media with school coming you know Lucy's going into fourth grade this next year I know I'm gonna blink my eyes you're gonna be in middle school and before you know it you know there, there's she's gonna be affected by a lot of this stuff too so we want we want to try our best 
to be open and be able to talk to her about stuff, she's going to find out eventually. So we'd rather it be from us, you know, than, than from someone at school when we don't know about. How do you kind of, when your kids are young, is there a certain strategy or what, are you, what advice would you give for a parent out there who has got younger kids? Well, I think you've got to be open and honest. Yeah. Um, so to start with that, and, you know, a four-year-old, they might say, hey, that, that guy, what is he smoking? He does that he all does, the time. And, and we've caught him pretending, yeah, too. Yeah, and, and because yeah. we had, when I was a kid, we had those cool candy cigarettes yeah. that could blow man. out. Yeah, the ice cream man. <laughs> and I wanted yeah. them because my mother had a cigarette butt that hung out the side of her mouth like like Loretta <laughs> Young. So. Yeah. So I wanted that. So you got You can't just say, "Oh, that's really bad." You got to talk about, "Hey, you know, that's a substance," and and we decided that isn't a good, uh, healthy one for us. Yeah. But let's talk about it. What? Or even ask, like, what questions do you have? Because a four-year-old's conception is different than an eight-year-old. Sure. I have an, I have young grandchildren at this point, and the eleven-year-old invariably I started when he was nine. So, Wheezy, is what he calls me, Grandma Wheezy. Oh. I know what you do for a living. Can oh, you wow. tell me about those people that you were? I said, gee, they look just like you, Gavin. Well, I saw a drug deal at my campus, you know. Really? Yeah, so, I mean, he asks all these beautiful questions because he knows <laughs> what I do. And he says, have you ever done this? And have you ever done that? He's just really an inquisitive mind. So somehow or other he feels comfortable yeah, yeah. in that. But, what, but truthfully... He, he sees things and he hears things and he sees people smoking on the sidewalk or vaping on the sidewalk where he goes to school. So being open and willing not to send the fear of God into everyone because you know and I know that people will experiment. And yeah. I, you know, I always like that trajectory that I do with families. It goes from non-use to abuse. In between, oh, yeah. there's a whole bunch of stuff. But, it, but don't be afraid to ask them. It, you know, talking to a four-year-old, for example, about death is different than talking to a nine-year-old. With a four-year-old, if they, if they see that their dog died, the way you do it is you take a piece of hair, or their hair, and you pull it out and says, ouch, that's no more. That's what they can know cognitively. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, it's true. Yeah. And so with a four-year-old, you know, what is it? Um, or, gee, Auntie Sally smokes. How come you don't? You yeah. Know? Well, yeah, um, and, that, that's, and that's that's some of the questions that we've had that exact question. Well, so-and-so smokes. Do you smoke that? Or, And we've caught him, not lately, but he would take pencils and he would we'd catch him in his room hiding out, acting like the pencil was a yeah, cigarette. And so he knows you, they're bad, though, too, yeah, because Yeah, but you can say, it. hey, why do you want to do that? Yeah. What makes that special for you? Yeah. And, you know, your first fear is, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, it's got the, you know, because we know the ABCs of addiction is age of first, yeah, the D, the DNA. Oh, so yeah. we know that one out of every three families has DNA, which means that they could be at risk for alcohol or other drug problems. Mm. So that's where we get hypervigilant as parents. We don't want that same trajectory for our loved one. But yeah. the same thing is, is he may, you know, maybe that needs to be redirected into Oh, if you like to do that, let's see what other thing you can do that's a little bit obsessive. <laughs> you know, let's find a different like something activity. Positive, something right? positive. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. can we redirect you to, like, yeah. soccer or, um, you yeah. know, um, yeah, pie eating contest or something or other. I don't know, but something what, to do with your mouth. What would be the difference uh, uh, to, to our nine-year-old? Well, almost nine. She'll be nine pretty Your nine-year-old, so. well, in my experience, five-year-olds and nine-year-olds know an awful lot. 
You know, Man. they know when someone's heart is hurting. They know, in, in from intervention work, yeah, they totally. know that mommy or daddy have a problem. And so I think you need to be pretty direct. I mean, I think the best person that writes about this is Jerry Moe because he writes a lot on children's books from the Betty yeah. Ford. But, you know, that you talk openly about, you know, uh, what is substance misuse? What is addiction? And, you know, that in a way that they can understand that some people just have problems in living. And some of the problems in living they have are with mind-altering substances yeah, where things yeah. that change you and you can think don't you get so excited when you play basketball or you do that that's how your endorphins change. so there's ways to dummy it down and not make it into an hour and a half discussion yeah but i'll answer their question and let them have that question hey my friends are doing it. if nine-year-old you're gonna find someone in that school who has already drinking alcohol out of their parents cabinet already doing something and or may have a parent or a sister or older brother that has a problem and they have nowhere to talk and so those people are really they are very vulnerable and they need to be able to um, do it ironically enough Australia is one of the few places where there's good blogs on siblings Oh, really? And addiction, yeah. I, I have that. I wrote an article. I, mean, I write so many articles because I'm just so interested in every subject, yeah. but on um, your siblings. And I quoted a lot of work from Australia because we don't do much work in the U.S. with siblings or, or young children. With regard to addiction, addiction also, also, right, with, too. Okay. Yeah, with regard to addiction. Okay, I might have to uh, uh, have you direct me on I'll maybe one couple of that. those, right? Because I'd like to check them out and see, and I'm sure my wife would like to look at them too. Because it is, it is, it's interesting, especially when you're in it, and you're because. And even the work that I do too, they, both the kids know, and Lucy knows a little more because she's a little bit older, you know. Uh, but they know that we work with people who struggle with addiction. And I don't know that they know the full depth of it, but they know, they get it. You but know? you would not, it's the, it's the crazy part of this is Shane. If you said, you wouldn't hesitate to explain to your child, I work with people that have diabetes. Exactly. I work with people that have heart exactly. disease. It is, you work with people who experience a substance use disorder mm -hmm. and not call them an addict or an alcoholic. That's a self-definition. But there's no stigma if you do it that way because yeah. what's the difference? The most, What's the most resistant disease to treatment in the country? Are you asking me a yeah, question? Yeah, I am. The most resistant? Say it one more time. What is the most resistant disease for treatment? More re resistant, like I just can't seem to get it together to do it. Oh, but I'd say alcohol. No, it's diabetes. <laughs> that's really? where, yeah, that's even where the birth of motivational interviewing came from with diabetics, with Miller and Molnick. That's where the first original research came. A diabetic is more, it, you think it's hard to work with people who experience substance use disorders and their families? Hmm. Try, try getting a diabetic to do their insulin there. So, hmm. you know, but also the idea is if you say someone experiences a disease, they're responsible for their care and maintenance, yeah. but there's so much more than that. You're so much more than whatever your disease is. And, yeah. But going back to, you know, for little ones, you know, it's, it, it's a disease. And it's a number one, one of the number one health diseases in the country. Yeah. And so I'm proud to work with people 
who are, who are trying to get help for this. Yeah. And get uh, rid of that stigma. The stigma. That's the big thing. Even on, um, I don't have the, where is it? Now I'm looking this up. Because we did s'mores last night on the that's beach, right. right? For the, the welcome reception. And um, the marshmallows, um, they said, ro- the, the marshmallows had a stamp on them. Did, did you come last night or yeah, not? Yeah, but I didn't see the stamp. I was they cold. They said, ro- roasting away the stigma. That's it, great. Hashtag, I, you know, innovations of recovery. That's I thought fabulous. that was cool. Yeah. yeah. There's an article I wrote earlier on Huffington. It's called Words, Words, Words. And the words we use really ex- help either facilitate that stigma or take them away. Yeah, it's good. So, um, but, you know, vaping scares me. I'm not going to say it doesn't because I see that as another billion-dollar business. Yeah. Marijuana, I think, like, whoever decided, I mean, you know, it's a billion-dollar business, and the, and the research is way out. Yeah. Do I think it's going to have the same trajectory as alcohol? <clears throat> Do I? No one knows really if it's going to cause any throat cancer. No, you don't yeah, know that, don't and know. you don't know the mental health effects of it if you already have someone who has, you know, a, a, a history of anxiety or depression, and you don't know because you're dealing with young brains, yeah. and a brain isn't developed till you're 25 years old. So if you start smoking at 16, 15. Your brain is not going to be developed at 25. Dr. Stinger, I'm 37 and I'm not sure my brain is fully developed yet. Well, I like them. I got a few years on you and I'm still trying. Right. <laughs> so right, I, I believe that. I believe we yeah. can always transform. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, well, any, anything else you want to add? I appreciate you coming and stopping in today. Thank you so much. I was looking forward to chatting with you, you know, when we talked no, before. No, if so. there's any other quote that you wanted me to comment well, on or anything. Um, you know, I just, you kind of, you kind of went, um, you kind of, we kind of went into that organically, but the, the one of them said for parents of a teen son or daughter, one of the first things you can do is have an open and honest conversation with them. Uh, you're also still in charge at home, and it's your responsibility to set healthy boundaries. I thought that was a good Yeah, a well, good that's, it's absolutely two. correct. You know, you're in charge of your family. That yeah. means that I'm old-fashioned. I believe you should have family dinners. You shouldn't all be yeah. looking at your cell phones. There should yeah. be, when you walk through the door, if you because everybody's connected to their devices and we don't teach young people how to speak anymore, you have a basket. Yeah. Leave your device there limit screen time for your four-year-old please limit screen time don't give them an ipad let them learn without that have even though you're busy working make sure there's a dinner together there's some family activity play that old-fashioned game and guess what you're the one who's paying for their for for their deal and you have to not want to be their best friend you have to want to be their parent and the other thing is for parents, you have if there is a two-family parent, you have to be on the same page, because little Johnny's going to know to go to your mom and get her own get his own way. But yeah. if you both can say, "Hey, stop," I'm going to talk to mom about this, or I'm going to talk to John about this. We'll get back to you. Yeah. Hit pause, stop, reflect, and then think about like, is this really like I'm exhausted? And also, keep track of your wallet. Because sometimes things are missing from your wallet and you don't know they're missing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but be responsible. Talk to other parents. You know, when you're in kindergarten, you know all the kinder- You know all the parents. Yeah. You're yeah. so excited. Yeah. Okay? 
By the time you hit junior high, you might know a few if you happen to play sports. By the time you hit high school, oh my God, yeah. I'm really, you're, you're letting them fly. But that doesn't mean you stop that communication. There has to be parent groups. You have to bond together. And you have to decide that health is more important than, than health is more important than giving in. Well, I don't know that this thought is healthy, but I can't tell you how many times I've envisioned taking both iPads and taking them out to the garage and taking my carpenter's hammer and smashing them. <laughs> well, just like, yeah. Because I, 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 well, I think you guys have to come to an agreement, and I just helped another family with that. I have a lot of stuff on screen yeah. time. Yeah. You've got to decide that you can like end the screen time. And even though it's like your kid is going to be right? the boundaries, yeah. this is, and I call boundary compassionate directness. Mm. So you have to decide that you can live with the screaming and everything for you're actually detoxing someone's brain off of the, off of the screen because they get lost in the screen. Yeah, it's, it's and it's so really true. your responsibility because anybody who grew up with an addictive personality and the screen, you know, the slot machine, you know what a slot machine does in yeah, Vegas. It, yeah. it just ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. Well, our phones that quick... do, and that, our phones kick in our dopamine every time they go, message, yeah. message, message. So our, we have these developing brains, three and four, and you see them in the restaurants. They're really good because they're glued. But you have to be willing to take that risk as parents and say, no more screen time. Yeah. There's coloring books. There's Legos. There's things they can learn to do. And will they scream? Yes. Give me my pad. Give me yeah. my pad. But you have to do that. And, and I want to say, too, like, just for the record, too, my wife does an amazing job <laughs> of trying to. No, and I know. I know, too. But this is me in my own head and stuff, too, because, I, you know, it, it is important to us. And we've had this conversation, Jess and I, a bunch of times. And, and we try to, to balance that the best we can. I think we do an okay job um, and, and probably better than okay um, at, at trying to set those boundaries, but it is hard sometimes. And when we do take it away, they do throw the fit sometimes. And I see a difference um, when, uh, let's say if my daughter's been on the iPad for an hour, when it's gone, I can see, sometimes that's when some of these breakdowns happen. Is when, and even if, we, even if she gives it up in a uh, voluntarily ma manner, she's not really upset. Um, the behavior. I'm noticing these patterns, and so I want to just get rid of them all together. Yeah. <laughs> so there's something called time boxing, mm -hmm. where if you have a special, it's used in work, or you have something special you have to do. Yeah. You have a certain amount of time, and you're gonna have to, you know, if you can't lean all together and go cold turkey, which is really somewhat what I recommend, you yeah. time box. You can have this for. Uh, you know, an hour a day. Okay. And that's it. And then you, and then you time it. You have a timer, and you let the you let the child know, you know, have five, ten, five minutes before or ten minutes before. That's all. You know, in ten minutes, this is done. Yeah. But you're time boxing the event, and you, you both have to be very consistent in it because where you know with parenting, it's where we get inconsistent that we get all the problems. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, not, and be, not being on the same page. Not being on the time. same yeah. page. So you guys have to be absolutely together. Yeah. But thank you. That's such a great question. Yeah. Well, I don't know how the hell this turned into a <laughs> Shane and Jess uh, episode, but hey, I'm, I'm loving it. I appreciate it. Well, hopefully, it speaks to those some other families out there but and some I, other, I think, other folks. But out I there, think that what I appreciate is your vulnerability and your honesty because the questions you're asking me are the questions parents ask good and good. you are so being, we're not alone at least in that no, that's another good thing <laughs> no you're not alone at all and yeah. you're being a voice 
for parents and what a, and so refreshing that you can Good. say, hey, what do I do with my child who's vaping? What do I do about this marijuana? What do I do about those little ones in screen time? Yeah. You are speaking what all parents are asking, but sometimes they're afraid to ask in a public yeah. venue. So I yeah. want to applaud you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I appreciate your insight. And I know you're uh, you know, constantly dealing with this stuff and working through it and reading and writing and uh, really appreciate all the work you're doing. I'm looking forward to more emails too. Keep sending uh, those, please. I love yeah, them. Yeah, well, we have yeah. another one coming out. Yeah. Where can I'll, folks get the emails, by the way? If um, they all do they that. have to do is go to my website, okay. All About Interventions, or they can Google my name, Louise Stanger. There's a place to sign up for them, and I'm happy to have them. Also, on my website, I have a history of blogs. I think this, it goes on for pages. It might be a little bit too long um, in this media world, but I have a lot of different topics I write on, yeah. from narcissism to high wealth to teens to screen time. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Good stuff. Well, I, I appreciate you. Thank you again. Thank um, you. Yeah. And, uh, folks, be sure to check us out at thatsoberguy.com. Uh, you can connect with us on Instagram at Real That Sober Guy and on Twitter at Shane Raymer. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in today from uh, Innovations in Recovery. And uh, you guys have a good one. Thank you. Peace, love, and respect. Keep your blood clean. Anything about you But I know what you do in the back room